Hello, I'm Liv Bolton, and you're listening to The Outdoors Fix, a podcast to inspire you to make adventures outdoors a bigger part of your life. The Outdoors Fix is produced in association with our friends at Ellis Brigham Mountain Sports. Welcome to the final episode of Series 4. If you've ever wanted to go and live in the Lake District, this episode might be just the motivation you need. My guest is Gilly MacArthur, and she's a wild swimmer, rock climber, illustrator, and organiser of outdoors events who lives in Kendall in the Lake District. An ambassador for the outdoors community, Wonderful Wild Women, Gilly also runs the Women's Trad Festival for people interested in rock climbing. And for the past couple of years, Gilly has gone wild swimming every day in January to raise money for the mental health charity Mind. She's even swum in lakes covered by ice. It's all a long way away from her previous life working in corporate business in New York. I'd planned to visit Gilly and record her episode by Lake Windermere, but then coronavirus happened, so we chatted from our homes instead. This episode was recorded on March the 18th, just before the full lockdown, but when restrictions were starting to be put in place. I wanted to ask Gilly about how she navigated her way to an outdoors life and career, why she loves ice swimming so much, and how the outdoors has helped her during two unbelievably difficult moments in her life. I hope you enjoy the podcast episode and Gilly's story. Listen out for her tips for cold water swimming at the end of the podcast, as well as the relaxing minute of sounds from nature, recorded by some of you, the listeners. Also, if you're affected by any of the issues in this podcast episode, there are links to information and support on the Outdoors Fix website. So here's Gilly. Gilly, hello. Hi. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much for doing the Outdoors Fix podcast. Slightly different to a usual recording, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little bit it's a little bit weird. It's all about the outdoors, but we're both inside in different places in the country. Oh, no. But there you go. Yeah, so you're, you're in Kendall <laughs> in the Lake District. I am. I am indeed. Yeah. I'm looking out the window onto the fells and it's quite nice, actually. Not bad. And I'm in London in uh, in my little study looking out onto the back of some uh, terrace houses. But... You know, it's new times and I think we've got to embrace and adapt, um, you know, new ways of working. So thank you so much for keeping keeping doing this. And uh, yeah, different way of working for just now. Yeah. <laughs> what I wanted to ask you is you're based in obviously Kendall. Mm-hmm. How are you planning on getting outdoors during this sort of strange time with coronavirus, do you think? So I am obviously going to be sort of, you know, keeping to whatever the most recent and up-to-date policy is I guess where I live it's easier for me to actually leave my front door and get into my car and not see a soul and just still get into the into the into the fells to to be sort of safe um I think on a sort of more sort of you know micro level just being able to get into the into the garden or out into the forest nearby and trying to get as much of a hit of the outdoors while I um while I can I mean I was down at the lake this morning Mm. and I didn't didn't see a soul and it was completely you know joyful to be down there there were a few dog walkers and stuff and we did a sort of from afar sort of wave and a hello and that that sort of understanding that that times are weird at the moment and they're they're changing but I think it's it's really interesting because you know for there's so much that you can get from just trying to connect with that little patch of green that you do have Mm. it doesn't need to be something massive like 
you know, doing a huge big walk, walk in, in the mountains or getting into a forest, even just by kicking off your shoes and feeling the grass on your feet for five minutes and observing spring, you know, sprouting up because it's, you know, the wild garlic's out and the daffodils are beginning to sprout out. And so I think it's, for me, it's just going to be doing what, what I can and what's going to be sort of safe to do. Um, as I say, it's maybe a little bit easier for me to, to get outdoors because I can just see it straight from my doorstep. So. Were you swimming in Lake Windermere this morning? Yeah, I went to the lake this morning. It was it was it was really nice. It felt felt actually quite cold. The water is still about five and a half, uh, so wow. it is actually still quite cold. There's still snow on the tops of the mountains here this morning up onto Langdale. You can still see the snow on the tops. But yeah, I just went went down there today for a little. Uh, I would say today was a dip rather than a swim. Okay. I didn't swim any didn't swim any distance today, but it was nice just to be in the water and like you know just feeling that sort of weightlessness and yeah. uh, feeling that connection to something which is much bigger than 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 we are and you know it'll pass this will pass just like everything else has passed before so yeah it's exactly. quite quite a nice meditative experience to be down at the water today how would you describe yourself Gilly? Mm. well I guess on a sort of professional level I'm a rock climber and illustrator and I am a mental health advocate um try to practice sort of kindness and compassion as much as I can um I try to not describe myself really I find that probably getting a little bit philosophical but if you describe yourself in one way and then that way goes then you get left in a bit of an identity crisis and I've seen that quite a lot with the with people uh, that I know and, and, and hearing people that I know that are sort of struggling. And I think that that identity thing of being I am, it, you can get you can get quite caught up in it. So yeah, uh, at the moment, I'm uh, at the moment. That's what I'm that's what I'm doing. I, I did used to have a big uh, corporate job and a few years ago changed uh, to change to do something completely different. So I think that that learning came from that I am bit you know absolutely that's no that's a really interesting way of thinking about it and I really want to explore this big shift in career that you've had so obviously now you're spending a lot of time outdoors with your life and career with rock climbing and while swimming Mm -hmm. and um, organizing outdoor events your life hasn't always been like this so you had a big corporate career was it with Gap? Yeah, that's right. So I um, I went to university. I did five years at university to study town and country planning. And after my second year, I realised I really didn't want to do that. Okay. So as soon as I graduated, I basically I burnt my uh, burnt my degree notes and <laughs> burnt my dissertation notes. It was a really cathartic thing to do. And uh, worked for a summer in a, for a knitwear retailer uh, and was a buyer for them. Worked for a knitwear designer. And then, uh, and then just fell into working for, for Gap. I did this sort of, it was a sort sort of graduate recruitment sort of thing that I did with them, and um, and worked my way up through through the ranks at, at Gap. Got chosen to go and work in New York, so I went to work in the States, uh, San Francisco, and then New York with with Gap, and and you know cut me in half, and I was Gap through and through. Wow. It was completely amazing, amazing, amazing time. Right, you know, at the height of. Uh, of when retail like that was expanding and and right in that you know really thick deep corporate world of like suited and booted and having all the right kit and the right gear and big big conferences and 
blah, blah, blah. Was it really long hours? I mean, how, how were you feeling, you know, at that time? Was it something that you were really happy and enjoying or? Um, I loved the work. I absolutely loved the work and I loved working for the company and I loved the people that I was working with. I think probably towards the end of that time, I uh, was working, you know, really hard, like 60, 80 hours a week just to keep the business going and to, because I loved it. But um, I think towards the end of that time, I started to, you know, not think so straight, not enjoy it quite as much as I had, started to sort of question what things, you know, what other things were out there. And it was actually after my time working in New York, I came back to the UK and I'd seen this amazing world, you know, over in the States. I'd learned to scuba dive over there, um, doing a bit more swimming and then realised that I was probably beginning to get a bit burnt out. So I asked for a year out and gap. They didn't give years, years out to people. Um, but I asked for a career break, which they 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 granted, because um, they wanted to sort of keep me keep me on. And I took that year off, and I packed my bags, and I went to live in Chamonix. Oh, <laughs> so, oh what a dream! Oh. Well, I thought I was a skier at school. Um, you know, like living in the northeast of Scotland, I got taught to taught to ski, and my mum was a ski instructor, mm. so I learned to ski, but I'd never learned to sk- snowboard, so I. Tried to learn to snowboard when I moved to Chamonix and my first season was a bit of a disaster. I got concussion, broke my wrist, you know. (laughs) But I had an amazing time and it was at that point I realised that actually maybe there was more to life than just being busy, busy, busy and sort of endlessly consuming and moving up to the next thing that you want, you know. And so it was at that point I I chose to to leave the, the corporate world and to try to seek a different way of like sort of living and working and, and being and that sort of thing. So that's quite a big, that's a big brave decision when you're so often, you know, when you're wrapped up in a, in a career and you've been in it for so long. It's... It, it was a big decision to make. And it was certainly a big decision to kind of, uh, to explain to like other people at like my family and stuff, you know, it's like you work hard at university to, to follow a certain path and a th- certain direction. Uh, and then to sort of make that call to go, actually, this isn't serving me. And I don't know if this is really a direction I want to continue on doing. It seemed it was it felt quite hard to kind of justify that once I'd established that's what I wanted to do myself to kind of explain that to like, you know, my dad, who's very much in the corporate world mm. and my family who were very much in, you know, sort of, you know, big industries up in the northeast of Scotland. So but it but it's that thing of once you once you decide that and you've looked at the reasons why and you've had a little peek over the wall of what's possible then that's then 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 it's it does become a little bit a little bit easier but it's it's very hard you know Mm. it's definitely a hard decision to make but but maybe uh it's a decision that more of us uh will be able to make now mm. perhaps with with everything that's happening just now it's like well finding a different way to be mm. or something that you know people that are doing homeworking now you know it's like well actually homeworking might not be so bad yeah. maybe I could do this instead of doing all of this extra stuff so yeah absolutely but yeah it was a bit it was a, it, it was it was a bit weird on on many different levels you know that de- definitely like the the work that I, the work that I was doing and the the fast pace of it and everything just it took me probably about four months five months just to 
wind down just from that itself you know? yeah how did you mm-hmm. get from that career and the year that you had in Chamonix how did you then get to be living in the Lake District and now you're an illustrator mindfulness practitioner <laughs> you organize outdoors events and you organize the women's trad festival so how did you get there I was living in Chamonix and I moved back to the UK and I moved back to Bristol which is an absolutely brilliant city with a bunch of uh, folk that I had been in the Alps with who were sort of skateboarders and snowboarders and they were like look just come and live just come could just come and live in in Bristol and hang out so hung out in Bristol and Bath bit and met my husband who um, works freelance in the in the film industry so it was quite a it was it was quite a, a soft launch into this new way of being because Charlie, my husband, is is freelance, so his world has always been a sort of freelance world and working, you know, outside. He's a professional climber uh, as well, so it it was um, it was easier in that regard for me. And we stayed in Bristol for about mm, six seven years and um, really enjoyed that time there like it was you know absolutely fantastic and I started working for a a rock climbing company Mm. Um, and then moved we were spending a lot of time like a lot of time driving up and down the country in search of the more wilder places in the UK to go climbing and swimming and that kind of stuff so we thought right actually maybe we can make this move so we decided to rent our house in Bristol for a year and to give the North uh, a go. So it was slightly sort of risk-free in that regard. Like if we don't like it, we can move back. And I think on the fourth day that we moved to Cumbria, our new neighbor said to us, mm, how's it going? It took us a whole year to work out whether we really wanted to be up here or not. Yeah. And, and and on that fourth day, Charlie and I were like, well, we are 100% decided oh, that this is, this is totally for us. But even, you know, I mean, Charlie's from, from London and it was, it was hard for him, the sort of change of pace, you know, moving north, uh, seeing sort of sheep from the supermarket you know car park and uh, you have to take uh, I like to think of it as like moving north is you have to take a sort of bag of time with you uh, you know everything just takes a wee bit longer oh. the, the pace is a wee bit slower people are a little bit more chatty and a bit more friendly but you forget that actually living in a city you've got eight supermarkets and five cinemas and actually you only need two cinemas and one supermarket or whatever yeah so it's 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 been uh for us it's really worked and we can still be in London and you know two and a half hours uh yeah which is a total secret so don't tell anyone that <laughs> that's the secret is that Kendall to Kendall to King's, Kendall to the train station in London are like less than three hours. It's the, the oh, best kept to- secret. Total in the UK. secret. <laughs> total secret. Please don't let anyone know that at all. And yeah, I can get to the airport in Manchester in an hour. Don't tell anyone that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it sounds all delightful. And also, I mean, you've got now the fells and the lakes and the tarns on your doorsteps. I mean, are you are you outdoors most days? Every day, definitely yeah. every day. I mean, one of the things that we sort of promised ourselves when we moved up here was to to never try to get I think when you live in a place for a long time and certainly I saw this when I was living in in the states as well 
is that you get complacent about the area that you live in. Even if you're living in a big city, there's the parks that are nearby and you forget that they're there and you sort of discount them. And it's trying to keep that sort of beginner's eyes or beginner's mind to your where you live, you know. And uh, we made a, a sort of promise to each other that on the days, every day we would try to get out, even if it was just a, a walk up onto the fell or a walk by the river or, but just to get out and, and to do that at the beginning of the day, oh. because then it sort of sets you up for the rest of the day. And, uh, and we still, you know, do that. And, and, and it's, I think it's a, it's a powerful sort of reminder to get, to get, mm. to get away from, you know, the screens and uh, certainly at the moment, you know, the screens and the, and the panic and the fear and all that stuff and mm. just to get outside. But it, it, I'm, yeah, we're, we're lucky to live up here because everything is quite on the doorstep. But, um, you know, there's so much power to just being in green spaces and, and uh, or to get by water. Yeah. Uh, so we, we still try to do that as much as much as we can. I was going to ask then a bit more about that. So how does the outdoors make you feel? I guess for me, um, there's there's sort of a couple a couple of parts to it. I love being outside with uh, like by myself. Um, I really like the the observational part of just being outside and just watching the seasons change on a on a sort of day to day basis. And I, I find that quite calming. I find it quite sort of soothing to see that there's life and death happening around us all the time and that you can really observe that quite sort of acutely in 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 nature and I really love going for a run uh, or going to get up onto the high you know fells to have that sort of freedom and that sort of freedom of, of of movement and sort of playfulness I like that there's sort of no rules I like that you can uh you know going going for a run in the fells is like you don't have to run all the way you can walk a bit and run a bit and being in the water you can swim a bit or you can just bob around and I like that freedom that that being outside gives me and 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 it's it's really this is really powerful to sort of lift your you know lift your soul and to to make you feel more connected to something which is much bigger and and the third thing is like being around other people you know the swimming that I do a lot of my swims are alone, but a lot of them are with a lovely community of open water swimmers that are really like-minded. You know, there's something really freeing about all standing on the lake shore in the morning, stripping off all shapes and sizes and just being like, yeah, OK, we're here. Let's do this. And that's great. That's sort of just showing up to be outside. And it, it, it doesn't really care, you know, what what ability you have. You can be outside and be uh, not as able, but still get something from it, which mm. is very powerful. So it's, uh, it's 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 everything, you know. Has has the outdoors helped you during difficult times in your life? I would think I would it would be fair to say that everyone who has come to finding a, a deep love for the outdoors has probably also found comfort in being in the outdoors when things have got challenging for them. You know, there's been times I've, I've broken my back, uh, had a rock climbing accident, broke my back. Oh my and certainly being outside after that in my Zimmer frame with my chest, you know, strapped up and everything. 
it was really comforting, even though I couldn't engage with the outdoors in a in mm. a physical way. Just being able to sit outside and watch the birds on the bird feeder had a sort of calmness to it. Mm. And uh, before that, the year before that, my daughter died. Um, she was stillborn. And I think that that period in my life was definitely um, helped and sort of soothed uh, by engaging with the outdoors. And again, not in a, you know, high-fiving, I'm going to run and jump and all that kind of stuff, but just being able to just observe nature doing its thing and realizing that we're all part of nature you know and finding it really soothing to be in that in that space so I think yeah you know being outside in however you can be outside I mean we're not all able to get to the top of a mountain but we can engage with it in the way that we can and I think that's it's we've, we kind of forget that a lot of the time you know mm. so uh yeah, it's. I think it's. I think it's a great tonic. I think it's one that we should all be embracing more. And even the people that are embracing it more could be embracing it more. You know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. And just now, uh, what does your work involve now when you're in the Lake District? Tell me. Talk me through sort of what most of your time is spent on. Is it mostly illustrating, or is it mostly organising outdoor events? Well, it's quite interesting because, you know, now as of, what is it, March the something or other, I don't even know what date 18th, it is. 18th, yeah. March the 18th, my work probably about 20 hours a week up until two days ago was working on this rock climbing festival, which I organised with another three women. And that has taken up a lot of my time and was going to for the rest of the summer. But obviously because of the changes to open events and um, you know everything that's happening at the moment that's all we've we've cancelled our event sadly um, and that that rock climbing event is to enable more women uh, predominantly women to engage with rock climbing in the outdoors for mental well-being it's a very sort of sustainable festival in its format and it's about well-being and about um, getting getting women yeah in, into the outdoors and to try rock climbing which is inherently seen as quite a risky uh, sport uh, so we sadly had to cancel that event so that's that was about 20 hours of my time and then I do illustrations so that's uh, freelance work and I do um, I work on an iPad um, so it's oh, yeah. digital but um, so I can take that anywhere but I prefer to work with pen and ink so I have an old like it's just with a dip pen and black ink and then watercolor so um it's it's a lot harder because there's no delete button <laughs> and there's no erase button and uh I mean I'm just looking at my desk right now and I've got all these signs that say leave the ink to dry because <laughs> I am I get impatient and I don't leave the ink to dry and then I smudge it and and then I'm like oh my god oh, oh no I've seen some so of your illustrations yeah. I mean they they are beautiful I've seen some of your wild swimming illustrations with what's <laughs> what lies beneath the water which are all great great images of what you know in our minds could lie beneath I love that oh man yeah yeah so I do I love um it's nice actually that's what's really lovely about Instagram is to Sometimes if I'm stuck for a bit of um, inspiration, I'll put a wee post up on a story saying so. And that's where that picture actually came from. It was oh. people saying, oh, uh, you know, what, what do people think of when they're 
you know, when they're swimming in pots underneath the water and I tell you something, I got some really rare answers from <laughs> what people think is under the water. I was like, wow, I cannot draw that. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's the so that takes up a bit of my work, and then um, I do a little bit of uh, freelance work as well. So it's a, a a mixture of different things. It's good you've just got to hold your sort of nerve when you know yeah. that you've not got much work coming in, and yeah, then so I imagine it's quite yeah. tricky at the moment. Or yeah, at least, yeah, a bit of a, ch- a, bit of a change. Talk, talking about your cold water swimming then and your rock climbing, how and when did you get into both of those? Climbing, my dad was a rock climber um, and when I was little I used to always see him going out into the fells with his you know, moleskin trousers and his red socks and his rucksack which was ridiculously massive with that like big metal frame in the back of it and everything and out with his compasses and his maps and stuff and uh, and my mum and dad were both quite outdoorsy uh, people living in the northeast of Scotland. We used to go down to the, the beach, uh, we spent all of our uh, Easter and summer holidays over on the west coast of Scotland and exploring the highlands and islands as, as kids. So I kind of grew up understanding a bit about the, the mountains and I didn't really start rock climbing until I, I was uh, quite old, actually, really. I mean, I first started climbing properly, I think, maybe when I was like 27 or something. Mm-hmm joined the local climbing wall, wanted to do a bit of climbing. And then it was only when I went to Chamonix that I started to uh, get into more outside climbing. And um, it's, it's pretty remarkable that I'm still alive, actually. I was definitely one of those people that did not have a clue what they were doing and did a lot of things that were not, were not it was, <laughs> wasn't very safe. Um, and then I learned properly how to do those things safely. And then when I moved to Bristol, um, I was very lucky to meet some of the world's sort of best rock climbers uh, who lived in Bristol at the time and met that climbing community at that sort of level who took me under their wing and uh, taught me, showed me the ropes, so to speak. And the, and, the, and, the rest, and the rest is history. So I've travelled quite extensively to follow that, that passion of climbing. So climbed a lot in America, been to Yosemite and uh, Utah and up to Idaho and Oregon and stuff there. And then a, a lot in, in, in Europe climbing. And then the swimming, I have always been a swimmer. Um, and like when I was wee, just to swim a lot in the sea and stuff. But it was only when I moved to the Lake District. The lakes has got like about 200 and something odd bodies of water. So I moved up here ostensibly to do more climbing and realised quite quickly that uh, it rains, like, a lot. <laughs> uh, like, I mean, not a lot, a lot, but it does rain a lot. So I needed another sport that I could do in the rain. And I do love fell running, but there's something about getting into the water which is really powerful. And uh, so I started doing that a lot more when I when I moved uh, up here. Windermere from here is about 10 minutes in the car oh that's brilliant um so I can get there in the morning and get a wee dip and uh or swim and then I'd like to go to the high up tarns so the ones that are harder to get to and the ones where I would have maybe been climbing but I can just go and do a wee swim in some of those tarns oh, wonderful. so you seem to love swimming in the winter months and sometimes when there's ice on the lakes yeah it's a bit it's it's definitely niche 
Um, <laughs> but it's becoming much more growing in, in popularity for sure. I, I think I swim more in the winter than in the summer. There's a couple of reasons for that. One is I do like the mental challenge of what winter swimming gives to me. And I think that's true for a lot of winter swimmers. They enjoy the sort of mental, like, what on earth am I doing challenge of, of that. And that's borne out by a lot of science now around cold water exposure. So in the winter, I will swim every day, every second day, come come rain or shine. Wow. And, and in the summer, I'll swim longer distances, but maybe not every day, maybe like three times a week or maybe just twice a week. I guess in the summer, there's just more people around. I get quite fed up picking up everyone else's litter. It kind of depresses me a bit, the way that people don't really respect the the fells and, and the wild places. Though I, I tend to swim more in in the winter months with a sort of hardy crew of, of like-minded <laughs> weirdos. Weirdos is probably an unfair word, but I think there's probably an element of weirdness to anyone that wants to strip naked uh, and get into water that's three degrees first thing in the morning, but I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to come on to that because the past couple of Januaries, you have swum outdoors every single day in that month, Mm -hmm. uh, raising money for the mental health charity Mind. Where did that idea come from? The idea was an accident that <laughs> that happened a couple of years ago it was basically January the 1st and in Edinburgh they have a thing called the Looney Duke uh, Duke being uh, Scots for a swim mm-hmm. and so everyone goes for a Looney Duke so I did my sort of Looney Duke on New Year's Day and then it just so happened I went and swam on the second with my friend He's a carpenter and he was like, oh, I'd like to get into the water, help with my arms and, you know, from 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 the work that he'd been doing. So that was day two. And then by day three, I was like, oh, it's quite a bonny day. I'll just go for another wee swim. Mm. And I thought, well, if, I'm, if I've done three days, I could just, you know, carry on. And it was totally great until about day seven. And I'd announced I was going to do it. You know, I'd like set up a Just Giving page and do it for Mind and stuff. And But on day seven, the weather changed from being sort of seven degrees to about two degrees oh. and the tar the tarn started to freeze over and I sort of had to have a word with myself I've got a brilliant there's a brilliant picture of me it's on about day seven and I'm just looking like I'm really not having a great time <laughs> I'm sort of sitting in the car tangled up in clothes and swimming costumes and the car's all you know frozen up and anyway and I just carried on and I, I realized uh quite soon that actually this could be something that was quite powerful for me, but also to uh, raise money for Mind uh, with their Red January campaign and um, to also sort of inspire, maybe if I could just inspire one or two more people to have a look at that sort of edge of what's possible. And so I think between the years that I've done it, I think I'm up to about nine nine grand or something, eight oh, and a half, brilliant. nine grand. Um, you know, to help mind uh, with their work around mental wellness and about suicide awareness and and that kind of stuff. So that's where it came from. And uh, fantastic. 
so yeah, it's been it's been a real journey, and I've I've you know there's only been about two days that I've just gone not not into it today, and the rest of the time it's like yeah yeah oh good effort. I mean uh, yeah. it's it, I see some of the photos, and yeah, you go in ice. You know when when there's a lake with ice on, you're you're still going in there, and do you use a an axe to break up the ice or something? Yeah, so um, I've got ice axes which I use for for climbing for mm. winter climbing but ice axes are not uh useful for cutting the ice uh on a lake because ice axes are designed to they've got a sharp point so if you're climbing vertically they stick into the rock with a sharp point and you pull yourself up with them but you want something which is uh more weighty mm. so um when you're when you're in the in the lake so the best thing to use is like a lump hammer <laughs> or an axe or you know that the mystery aisle in is it Aldi or Lidl the one where you get like the sort of <laughs> mig welders and the big brass um in that aisle they sometimes have like lump hammers and stuff so grab yourself one of them and get down to the lake and yeah there's been I mean countless times now where I, I kind of like seeking the ice to be to be honest I, I, I love I love swimming in cold water but I, I really like the you know, yeah, there's people that are tornado seekers and they go out to like sort of find tornadoes and film them and stuff. Yeah. And I'm I'm sort of the same with the with the ice. I've got lots of different apps on my phone to tell me which direction the wind's blowing in and lots of OS maps. Uh, so I know which way the ice might form on certain days, on okay. certain turns. And uh, so I'll cut a wee channel and then I'll swim in that channel back and forth for a bit. And then if I can't find an icy tarn, then getting into the the the, the, the cold water is, um, it, you know, there's, there's loads of studies now about cold water and why mm. it's very effective for us physically and mentally. Mm. And, uh, and I can definitely attest to all of those things being true uh, in the years that I've done it. So, yeah, you should give it a go. Have you tried it? Oh, I've definitely tried well swimming, but I haven't done it in the ice. And I'd actually, I would actually love to try and see if I could hack it. Um, yeah, it would yeah, be really yeah. fun. Um, <laughs> so you, because you only do it, it seems, in a bobble hat and a swimsuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I first moved to the Lake District, I, I, I'm, I've done a bit of surfing and I'm a scuba diver. So I've got a really good, uh, big, thick wetsuit. And I turned up the first ever day down at Windermere with a bunch of ladies that were probably in their 70s. And I was shocked I was completely shocked they were there in just their swimming costumes and I honestly thought they were going to put like some duck grease or goose fat or something on themselves and they got in the water and they swam off and I felt like I felt so weird being in the water uh with my wetsuit on and they said look just give it a try without because if you wear a wetsuit you can stay in longer but actually what you want to be getting is the cold hit and so I went swimming once with a wetsuit and then since then I I haven't worn a a wetsuit I mean if I was to go for a longer swim I would wear a wetsuit you know in the summer if I wanted to swim a a much longer distance a couple of miles or something if the once the water gets up to about 12 you know and above then I'm fairly tolerated to the the cold for a longer swim like that but I don't wear a wetsuit, I wear a bikini or a swimming costume. And then the bubble hat's the sort of psychological warmth. I'm okay. sure it doesn't make any difference, but it, it, does, it does make a difference a wee bit. Or I'll swim, you know, like recently this this year, I've been 
doing sort of slightly longer distances, but with a neoprene hat and some goggles on them. Okay. But I quite like bobbing up and down and just like seeing, you know, first thing in the morning when it's flat cam and you've got like the geese overhead. It's, it's pretty powerful oh. to be just there in the water watching life unfold around you. Sounds so, yeah, beautiful. it's nice. And what do you think was your favourite um, cold water swim this January? Where were you? Hmm. God, it's really hard to tell. It's been a bit weird this year because there's not been so much ice. So like last year, there was so much ice and each ice swim is just so magical. This year, a lot of the swims feel like they've sort of melted into one. The the charity fundraising that I did this year was harder because honestly, it was windy every single day. Oh. I've done some really nice, I've found some really lovely new places to swim. Uh, so it would probably be one of them in one of the like waterfalls or uh, smaller iced up tarns. I went up to... Um, in the Langdale Pikes, there's a really high up tarn, and I went up there uh, this winter in January, and uh, it was blowing about sort of 50, 60 mile an hour winds, <laughs> and uh, I got up there, and that was that was pretty special because that's where I climb as well, okay. and so to be in that sort of li- liquid uh, coldness, but looking up at these crags that I climb in in the summer, it was quite that was quite a special one, and it was really nice to get back down and go to the <laughs> Go to the go to the go to the pub. After that, yes. Yeah, so that was the, that was that was a good one. There's there's there's. I mean, each swim is 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 totally different, and that's again something which is quite magical. It's like even if you're swimming in the same body of water, you just need to have a, a, a slight change in weather, and and things can just feel totally different. So, yeah. yeah. Looking back at your life in Gap and then looking at your life now in, in the Lake District, how do you mm-hmm. feel? I am a person that tends to be, I don't know, like, you know, to kind of look at look at where, where you've come from and see that it's all led up to sort of this point now. And so I definitely, although I got quite burnt out from the work that I did in that corporate world, if I hadn't, I wouldn't have ended up being where I am now. And I think it's I'm lucky in that I've been able to sort of learn that sort of balance point of going too far one way and then being able to sort of pull it pull it back. And I think that that's um, is quite good to sometimes have those those pauses. When I when I broke my back in that uh, rock climbing accident, I had sort of three four months to just sort of take stock and to to look at things in a different way. And it's kind of good to 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 get, be given that time, you know, and to kind of go, oh, okay, well, 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 what things could I change now? Or yeah. what things could I learn from now? I mean, you know, I, I, I absolutely love being near the mountains. And uh, I would definitely sort of recommend that if anyone's thinking, I just couldn't, but I just couldn't leave my, you know, blah, 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 because of blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, could you not, you know, how could you get it just push it one degree closer to sailing in that direction Mm. because that one degree shift now could mean that in a year's time you could actually be on quite a different trajectory and it's those tiny little incremental changes that can shift a boat you know all the way onto a totally different direction and uh, but you have to kind of be a wee bit brave to shift at the one degree which is hard but you can get quite a lot out of that. When we when we were thinking of moving up here, it was a bit like, 
but we just can't because of X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, actually, we could do it in this way and then see what happens. So I would definitely like recommend that everyone just has a little like dial test to see how far they can shift the degree, <laughs> see what happens in a year's time, you know, um, change things up a bit. three people who have inspired your outdoors adventures oh my gosh this is like being asked who you want to have at your dinner party <laughs> uh fictitious people at a dinner party i would say probably the community so this is a bit of a broad one but basically the community that come to the rock climbing festival that i organize oh, yeah. um because they have all overcome quite a lot of stuff to be brave enough to give this new thing outside a go. And a lot of them have never even pitched a tent before or put a harness on before, let alone get onto a rock face and want to climb up it. And a lot of them have overcome challenges of being transgender. Lots of them have overcome challenges to do with financial or ethnicity and lots of different things which have really stopped them from engaging with the outdoors because of their, their boundaries. And um, they are an amazing community and I just get totally inspired when I meet them face to face and hear their sort of stories. It, it makes me, it really helps sort of propel me sort of forward so that would be the first fantastic the first person all of them uh second would be there is i'm from the northeast of scotland and there's a poet author called nan shepherd and she is a she was a modernist poet and writer she was born in about the late 19th century so like 1890 and she died uh i 80 something like that but she wrote about she went to my school and she Uh wrote about being in the mountains and her writing is absolutely incredible uh she's written a book called the living mountain and it is a really short little book um and it's about her being in high up places and the sounds and that she has of being outdoors and she talks about going on walks by herself or with someone else and and what she sees and hears and to do with the water and the ice and the bird song and it's a an absolutely incredible book and if you haven't or your uh, listeners haven't bought it or heard about it it's a it's a true joy and her writing really inspired me to sort of be in in the outdoors in a different way Mm. so that book it's also got a really beautiful cover so that's that's a great suggestion nan Nan shepherd living mountain and the third person would probably be my mum and dad because when i was little you know we really were told to just sort of get outside with our wellies on and with those peter storm jackets they were like a piece of plastic that you just had to put on they were totally unbreathable <laughs> and just be and just be outside in 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 all kinds of weather and to find that sort of creativity of just being outside playing in you know in in the burns and the lochs and climbing up trees and not being uh, fearful of of stuff and so i think they're they inspired me to kind of, you know, give stuff a go. And if he came back bashed and bruised, it didn't really matter because he'd learned 
not to do it that way, you know. So I think those those three. I think probably once I come off this podcast, I'll be like, oh damn, there was that other there was that other person as well. They were amazing. So, I don't know. Oh, that's like great <laughs> but suggestions. That, that's the three for now. <laughs> what are your tips for cold water swimming if someone is keen to give it a go top tips would be uh find a community to go with to do it with it's dangerous to do it by yourself if you've not done it before so the outdoor swimming society have got uh that's uh on online uh you've got tons of really amazing resources there you can find swimmers in your local area to give it a go so that's on facebook they're on instagram outdoor swimmer magazine again it's got loads of top tips about how to do it. It's really about finding that community that can hold your hand and, and, and give it a go. Don't go by yourself. Don't judge your performance by how other people are doing. One person's ceiling is another person's floor. So just go at your own pace. Uh, I like to think that the best swimmer is the one that's got the biggest smile on their face. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that, go, go at your own pace show up you know with a wetsuit on there's no saying that you have to not wear a wetsuit you know just do whatever it is that makes you engage with it in in your way and as the seasons unfold you'll grow confidence to maybe do things in a in a different way but just have fun you know I think the lovely thing about swimming is that it's non-striving and I think that it's important to 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 keep it like that for as long as you want to you know and if you want to start building in distance and time and training to do a triathlon or a longer swim then do it but just show up have a laugh have a flask of tea at the end eat lots of cake don't have alcohol the night before because you're you'll feel really cold (laughs) all right okay yeah definitely if you've had a if you've had a dram or a pint the night before I find that it's always a lot colder the next day uh, also, if, you, if, if you're female, you had got your periods, then your body will respond to the cold differently. Always make sure that you've got, you know, someone to kind of watch from the side, even if you can't find a swimmer to go with, someone that can just be watching you, you know, stay close to the bank if you're not sure of your own ability. Look at different ways of breathing and breathe out as you go into the water. That's a big thing. Uh-huh. It's when you're, when you're getting into the water is... Uh, breathe out you stop that sort of uh, scared response that our brains will naturally want to go into if you breathe out that's you telling your system that it's okay is when you breathe out so <laughs> great tips thank you um this has been so much fun gilly thank you very much uh, for chatting and, and and being flexible in the way we do this we were going to be up in the lake district chatting by a lake but you know new times and it's been equally as fun on my part chatting to you so thank you so much Thank you so much. And maybe when this all dies down, we can get to have a lovely wee swim together up here and have a cup of tea and some cake and go for a run too. It'll be nice. Doesn't that sound (laughs) lovely? Oh, well, yes. Hopefully that's not too distant future. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be really nice. And uh, take, take care down there as well. Oh, you too. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to Gilly's episode. You can see photos of Gilly rock climbing and ice swimming on the Outdoors Fix website or on Instagram at the Outdoors Fix. You'll also find her on Instagram at Gilly MacArthur. If you enjoyed this episode, 
Please subscribe to make sure you get all the episodes when they come out. And please rate and review the podcast to help other people find it. Right, well, that's the final episode of Series 4. Thank you to all of my guests and to you for listening. I hope that it's given you lots of inspiration to make the outdoors a bigger part of your life. I'll be on the lookout for guests for Series 5 soon, so if there's anyone out there who you think would be a great interviewee on The Outdoors Fix, please message me on Instagram. The Outdoors Fix is proudly supported by Ellis Brigham Mountain Sports, stores nationwide and online, offering everything you need to equip you for the best outdoors experience. Now, it's that time to take a short moment to relax and listen to nature sounds recorded by you, the listeners. This time, it's clips from Emma Brisdian near Bath, Rory Southworth in Lancaster and Joe Mosley in Yorkshire.